Let's pray. So Lord God, Heavenly Father, again, I thank you for bringing us together tonight. I pray that uh, your words are spoken here this evening, that your words are received, that your words are understood, and you help the, us apply your words and your truths and your promises to our lives. Thank you for bringing us here, Lord, and as I always pray, please send us out the door of different people, transformed more into the people you created us to be. Teach us your words and teach us your ways. In Jesus' name we pray. So grace and peace to you from God the Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. So here we are on Ash Wednesday, and I've been waiting for this this whole year, one whole year. We should start by uh, talking about what we want to accomplish here tonight, what I want you to walk out the door with, what understandings that I'm trying to bring across to you. Um, Why do Christians come together all over the world on a night or a day such as this to get ashes rubbed on our foreheads. A couple things just to kind of, you know, frame where we are. Ash Wednesday, of course, is the first uh, day of the season of Lent. Um, Yesterday was the last season or the last day of Epiphany. We're now moving into the season of Lent, which uh, we celebrate Lent as 40 days, but it's actually 46 days because we don't count Sundays in there. It's it's 46 days minus Sundays. We have 40 days of Lent because... um, Every Sunday is kind of considered a mini Easter, and those are called feast days. So we don't want to get in the way of those. We don't want to, you know, get on, on those and be fasting and doing different things about that. So um, Ash Wednesday is always on a Wednesday. It's not always on Valentine's Day, but the last time it was on Val- Happy Valentine's Day, by the way. Uh, the last time it was on Valentine's Day, Easter was on April Fool's Day. And that did not get past me easily. But uh, this time we were in leap year, so we're on March 31st. So, But I might still bring some of that uh, April Fool's Day stuff into our Easter celebration. But um, so what exactly is Lent for? You know, why do we celebrate Lent? Why do we talk about that? Because you probably didn't realize maybe before that Epiphany was an entire season. You know, that it was weeks long, right? Going between Christmas and here and Ash Wednesday. But you've probably heard of the season of Lent. What's Lent all about? And a friend of mine asked me that one time, and I said, well, let me put it to you like this. I said, how's your New Year's resolution going? And he said, no, no, not so hot. And I said, okay, this is kind of a mulligan. You know, we get kind of a mulligan here the season of Lent. We can start to do some of the things that we maybe were hoping to do uh, during our New Year's resolutions. But seriously, Lent is a time, is a season, as every church season is, it's a time for us to grow closer to God, to grow stronger in our relationship with God. So we focus on different aspects of that relationship with God, and that can be different for different people, but we usually have a goal that we're going to as a church, as a, as a season of a church. We have a series that goes through, uh, again, to bring us closer to, to God. Lent um, typically is talked about um, either giving something up for Lent or putting something into our lives, again, to help us grow closer in our relationship to God. Um, Jared did a wonderful job talking about distractions on Sunday. So maybe we're going to give up something that distracts us from that relationship with God. And again, we can figure out what that means, but we replace that by giving God our undivided attention and, again, growing stronger in our relationship with him. In other words, eliminating those distractions that keep us from focusing on God so that we can focus on God a little bit more. So it's also a time that we say that we're going to repent from things that we do or that we, that we do that don't please God or some of the things that we don't do that do please God. We talked about God's will here in our last series, you know, and we talked about several series. Uh, we talked about um, who God is, you know, um, how God works in our lives. 
um, the names of God. We talked about um, the kingdom, the definition that God has for a kingdom. We talked about your identity according to God. Not who do you think you are, who does God define you, because he is our creator. So we went through all of those series. And so now I'd like to focus on a series that we have coming up here. The series that we're going to be coming up with on here is, our, uh, is listening to God. Being able to hear God's voice. That's what we're going to be focusing on here in this season of Lent. Of, of Lent. We're going to be to talking and focusing on hearing God's voice. How do we do that? What is God speaking to us? Does God still speak to us? How is that working in our lives? And the way we're going to do that, the series that we're going to have through the next uh, several Sundays leading up to Easter Sunday, the way we're going to do that is we're going to look at examples, historical examples that are recorded here in the Bible of people that were listening to God's voice or were paying attention to him. What were the actions that they did? How can we imitate that so that we can understand what God is trying to say to us? Um, it's just like we talked about when we talked about the will of God. How are we going to figure out the will of God in our lives if we don't have a solid definition of what the will of God is, right? We talk about, I talked about shooting from the hip and just coming up with the most clever answer, whatever bounces off our head or comes out of our mouth the quickest, that's the answer we're going to give. I think we would do the same thing when we say, you know, what is it to mean to hear God's voice? What is God, how is God trying to speak to us? What is God trying to speak to us? I think we would just start firing out some answers. But what we're going to do is we're going to look at this from a biblical perspective, the same way we did all of these other series. What's the names of God? We let God define himself, right? What's the definition of God's kingdom? We let God define his kingdom. What is your identity? We let God define your identity, right? What is the will of God? We let God define his will. And now we're going to let God define his voice and the things that he talks to us and how it is that we hear his voice. So again, to do that, we're going to look at um, these historical records that are, are uh, recorded right here in the Bible for us. Uh, some of them, we, one we already heard a little bit uh, this evening, but we're going to dig into it a little bit further. And so we're going to talk tonight a little bit, just briefly, I know it's Ash Wednesday, so you're probably not expecting this, but we're going to talk about this guy named Moses. So what do we know about Moses, right? I want to talk about that. So this is in the book of Exodus, of course. Um, just a little bit of history uh, to where I'm going to go with this tonight, just to give you a, a real quick uh, synopsis of, of Moses' life. And again, you can read this in the book of Exodus, and you can get a little bit more depth and in detail. Also, you can read uh, when Stephen is talking to some of the Sanhedrin, and he does an excellent job. In fact, that's where I looked and said, hmm, what's a good synopsis of Moses' life? Well, I'm going to look at what Stephen said. I'm going to look at the historical record as it comes from the book of Acts, right? So um, real quick here, so the, the Israelites, the Hebrews, are in Egypt, right? And they're there on purpose because this guy named Joseph brought his family to Egypt after he had saved Egypt, he'd saved the world, and went through that. And now they're there for about 400 years, fast forward about 400 years. And the way the scripture reads is that a Pharaoh came in that did not know Joseph. And the other thing that was happening is God was blessing the Hebrew nation and they were becoming a multitude, so the Egyptians freaked out a little bit and said, if somebody comes and attacks us and these Hebrews team up with them, we're doomed. So we got to do something about it. So they did two things. One, they made the, the Hebrews, they made them slaves. Said, okay, if we keep them uh, as slaves, maybe we can beat them down far enough so we don't have to really worry about them. And then around the time that Moses was being born, was going to be born, um, they, the Pharaoh decided that he's going to start to uh, try to eliminate this population a little bit by killing all the baby boys that were born. So we're going to kill all the baby boys and we're going to put them in slavery and hopefully that'll take care of everything. Well, along comes this kid named Moses, right? 
he's born, and um, his mother hides him for about three months, and then she can't hide him anymore, so she rigs up a little basket with pitch and some, and some reeds, and she, she floats Moses out into the river so that Pharaoh's daughter will find him there. So Pharaoh's daughter plucks him out of the Nile. Um, J- uh, Moses' uh, sister is there on the side. Miriam is there on the side, and she comes over and says, hey, I can find somebody that will nurse that baby for you. Brought him back home to mom again. Mom got paid to raise the baby. How many are in favor of getting paid to raise your own kid, right? Moses then gets put back, gets given back to Pharaoh's daughter, and he get ra- gets raised in the palace. But he always knows that he is a Hebrew, right? He's old enough to know that when he goes back into the palace that he's a Hebrew. So now fast forward, and we don't get a whole lot of information any time in Moses' life. We don't get a whole lot of information. So fast forward 40 years now, and Moses is going out to talk to his people. He's going out to hang out with his people. You know, he's really the prince of Egypt, so they really don't think that he's one of them, but he's trying to be one of them, trying to hang out with them. So he sees one of these uh, Hebrew getting uh, beaten by an Egyptian uh, slave master, getting beaten because they're not doing their job or whatever. Moses comes up, he tries to put a stop to it, ends up killing this uh, Egyptian, which means that now Moses will be put to death because he's not really an Egyptian. So Moses thinks he's gotten away with it, hides him in the sand, but then he realizes that people know about it. So Moses splits and he goes, uh, runs off into the wilderness. Okay, and again, I'm giving you a synopsis here. You can read all about this in the book of Exodus. So long story short, Moses starts to live a life here in the wilderness, right? He's being a shepherd, he gets married, and now... um, I don't know if he's living a successful life or not, but how would you like to be living in your father-in-law's basement working for him, right? I mean, that's kind of where Moses is right now. So, but he's working for his father-in-law, and he's, he's the shepherd. Okay, so I want to talk about shepherds for a second here before we move along. Um, shepherds had a kind of a, a route that they went on in, in the wilderness, and I'm going to develop this a little bit more as we go on in through this series. So Moses is bringing these sheep, and you farmers, everybody knows that you can't overgraze a section of land, right? Because it's going to be useless. So you graze for a while, and then you move them on, you graze for a while, and you move them on, you graze for a while. So they had these loops. That's why shepherds really didn't like each other, because they didn't want people grazing the same land as they did, because now i got to wait longer, now i got to go someplace else to graze. Don't want to use the same water hole, because we've got the same watering holes and things like that. So that's, that's, that's Moses now. And again, we're looking at 40-year increments here. His life is uh, in little 40-year compartments here. So now he's about 80, and he's working for the, you know, the old man. He's got this thing that he's following along. And then the craziest thing happens. Moses is walking along, and the reason I talk about um, him being on an, a route, you know, a, a predicted path, is because he's probably been in this area before when this crazy thing happens, right? He sees this bush. Look at this bush that I've created here. So, oh, they said, ooh, all right. No Oz, right? And not only was this, there a bush here, again, places that he'd been before, but as if by magic, this bush started on fire. It was burning. Like our church, yes. <laughs> Somebody check our insurance policy one more time, please. But the crazy thing about this bush that was on fire, can you get that big one off of there, Jared, that was on fire, is that it wasn't getting burned up. It wasn't getting consumed. It was just burning, right? Kind of like this. And so then a crazy thing happens, right? Moses is humming along, minding his own business, tending his sheep, areas that he's been in before, And he sees this crazy thing happening over here, right? So he's over here and he's thinking, you know, and then he says the key words here. 
He says in uh, Exodus 3.3, he says, I must turn aside, right? I must turn aside to see this marvelous sight, to see what's happening over here, that this bush is happening, it is burning, but it's not burning up, right? Hopefully it's going to go out here in a second so you guys stop worrying a little bit, right? (laughs) (laughs) But the key in verse 3, Exodus 3, verse 3, are those words that say, I must turn aside. In, in the Hebrew language, it's, it's one word, sur. It's the word sur. And it means not only must I turn aside and pay attention, I must stop everything else that I'm doing. I must stop the path that I'm on. I got to stop listening to the distractions that are going on in my life because something's going on over here that's out of the ordinary, Right? And now, I want to point this out to you because when we think about Moses and the burning bush, and probably everybody has heard this or, you know, maybe read it and probably just heard about it, right? But we all think that the bush, you know, Moses is moseying along, pun intended. He's going along and, and the bush called to him and he went over. That's not what happened. He just saw something crazy happening, some marvelous sight happening. And he said, I must turn aside. I must stop what I'm doing. And go there. And now look what happens in verse 4. Verse 4. When the Lord saw that Moses turned aside to look, sur, to look, then God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses. And then Moses' response is this. Here I am. The season of Lent, these next 40 days, Right? These next 40 days, 46 if you count Sundays, we're going to focus on hearing God's voice. Sometimes God does something to get our attention. And if we keep going down the interstate 600 miles an hour, we're not going to see it. We're not going to get to experience it. Moses said, I don't know what's happening here. He didn't say, oh, God's trying to speak to me from that bush, or God is speaking to me, I'm going to go over and listen to that bush. He said, no, I'm just going to, something marvelous, he said, is happening over here. i got to stop everything else and go and check this out and see what's happening. And then God said, all right, now that I've got your attention, let's get down to some business here. Now that I've got your attention, let's get down to some business here. So he stops what he's doing. He approaches that moment, right? Then, then God speaks. And I want to make sure that you understand that in the story of the burning bush. Moses wasn't over here, and the bush said, hey, Moses, come over here. Oh, okay, yeah, we can all do that, right? No, something out of the ordinary happened. Something out of the ordinary happened, and Moses said, hmm, go check this out. Something marvelous is happening. That's what God's kingdom is about. We got to turn aside. Call a time, call a time out. That's that's what I was going to say. The word "sorter" kind of means call a time out, hold everything. So we got to call that time out once in a while and go over and see what God is trying to say to us. And again, our attention on Ash Wednesday—it's the beginning of Lent, the beginning of of the progress that we're going to be having here, right? The progress that we want during the season of Lent. But getting back to what I said, I want you to take out the door with you. That's part of it. But what we just talked about here and what we're going to be talking about doesn't really explain the ashes on Ash Wednesday. 
we ask people, why do we have ashes on our forehead? Maybe a friend of yours who's a non-Christian say, you know, why do you go to Ash Wednesday? And you might, what are you going to do? You're going to shoot from the hip and you're going to say, hmm, first good thing that comes to my mind, right? But are we going to let the Bible, you know, define, are we going to let the Bible define what Ash Wednesday is all about? Well, that's kind of a trick question. Because Ash Wednesday actually isn't in the Bible, not specifically. It doesn't tell us to celebrate Ash Wednesday or even observe Lent for that matter. Having said that, we're not pulling this out of thin air. We're not shooting from the hip when we're talking about um, Ash Wednesday. There's several Bible passages that point out exactly what we're about to do and what we're doing. Several places in the Bible, specifically in the Old Testament, people used ashes, ashes and sackcloth to represent um, repenting and humility. Right? Ashes and sackcloth represent repenting and humility. Dozens of times people respond to God with ashes and sa- or sackcloth and ashes. And again, that wasn't them just saying, well, let's just use some ash because, you know, that's dirty and that makes us, you know, a little more humble looking like that. No, it's very biblical where that came from, right? That dust, those ashes, right? It's God speaking to us, actually, telling us that this is the way to do it. If we look at verses like Genesis 3.19, where God literally says, you are dust and to dust you shall return. Those are the words you're going to hear me saying to you. Remember that you are dust, and to dust you shall return. But the fact that we turn from God doesn't mean that God ever left us. The fact that we turn from God doesn't mean that God ever left us. He specifically says that he will never leave us, he will never forsake us. And when we look at, again, historical figures from the Bible, whose lives are recorded in the Bible, their actions are recorded in the Bible, for us to emulate, to understand, and better better get to the people that God created us to be. For example, we look at at Abraham in the Bible. We call him Father Abraham, right? right? He understood all of that that God was talking about. Yes, we are God's chosen people. Yes, we are, we are united with him. We are with him. We are joint heirs with Christ. But we are simply dust. And like I said, Abraham understood that. Even though, you know, we are not God's equals. We, though we can come to him and talk to him because he still wants to have that relationship with us. We can talk to him because he wants to have that relationship with us. I chose Genesis 18, 27 to kind of point that out. Abraham, having a conversation with God. He says to him, since I've begun, let me speak further to my Lord, even though I am but what? Dust and ashes. Why do we say ashes to ashes and dust to dust? We're not shooting from the hip. We're pulling it right out of Genesis. But God says that's just the body. right? That's just the body. That's not the soul. That's not the spirit. The body returns to dust. The body returns to ash from which it came. But the spirit comes back to me. The spirit comes back to me. Ecclesiastes, maybe a book you haven't paid a whole lot of attention to, but if we look at chapter 12 and verse 7, look at this. It says, life, lovely while it lasts, is soon over. What does uh, Isaiah say? It's like a vapor in the wind, right? That little breath of air that comes out for a second, then poof, it's gone. Life, lovely, while it lasts, is soon over. Life as we know it, precious and beautiful, ends. 
Right? Sometimes it's tough to listen to this, but this is what we got to understand. Life as we know it, precious and beautiful, ends. The body is put back in the same ground it came from, but the spirit returns to God who first breathed it. You have the breath of life going in you the same way God breathed that life into Adam and made him a breathing human alive. So Ash Wednesday is a special night. Sometimes we put it too far on the dark side, though, I think. Because as Christians, we know the whole story. We know this from Ecclesiastes, right? Yes, body's going into the ground. But the spirit returns back to God. Ash Wednesday is a time for us to remember to reflect and repent about who we are and how we've turned from God and how we don't do what Moses did and turn to him. Put everything else aside. Put everything else on the back burner. Call a time out and go and be with God and see what it is that he is trying to talk to us, what he's trying to say to us. Reflect and repent. Repent, by the way, just means to turn around and go the other way. Right? But it's not running from something. It's running to something. It's running to God. Repent and, and believe. Actually, the word repent, the root word for repent is the same as the root word for believe. Right? So we believe. Why? So what changes the, our actions, our thoughts, our minds,